0: Welcome to the Ring Chasing Podcast with Alex Lewis, where we interview rising stars, all-stars, and goats in the most competitive game of entrepreneurship. Each episode, we will look to give value by providing exposure, detailed experiences, knowledge, and the playbook to the next generation of ring chasers. Let's get started. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Ring Chasing Podcast. Today, I'm excited to introduce you guys to another guest uh mr christopher perceptions uh, mr christopher perceptions is a native of milwaukee uh, he currently serves as the ed- on the educational board committee member at the milwaukee art museum he currently is a strategic partner in a venture with mr hill harper a bestselling author and actor um called black wall street correct chris
1: yeah
0: all right um this this entrepreneurial rising star is the ceo of cmp perceptions llc and is the founder of perceptform the Percept Corporation, and my fellow founder in residence in Bubbles Immerse program. Chris is also a multidisciplinary artist focusing in areas of fine art, photography, film, and music. And last but not least, Chris is a fear a fearless man of God with the faith in Jesus Christ. Honestly, Chris, that's, that's the first thing that I noticed about you uh, when we first met and uh, it really stood out. So I'm excited to get into this interview, man. How are you doing today?
1: Man, I'm I'm cool, bro. You know, offline we we're just talking about life and fatherhood, being married and all of that. So, it could be tiring, but you know, the grace of God to keep us, man. So, I'm happy to be here, bro. How about you? How you feeling?
0: I'm feeling good, man. I'm having about to have a baby any day now, so I'm a little nervous, but mm-hmm. uh, I'm excited. <laughs> nonetheless, uh to bring life into this world, man. It's a blessing. Solid, bro. For sure, for sure so on this show um i like to kind of get into the makings of each one of of each of my guests um so i really want to kind of dive into your story learn a little bit more about like your past and kind of how that affected your overall entrepreneurial journey to get you to where you are today
1: that's heavy um so i'll try and summarize um i'm 31 years old um i've been on both sides of the tracks. Uh, My mom is a Christian evangelist and one of the larger um, African-American denominations. And um, that afforded me a lot of opportunities to be around the the self-made. I say self-made because like no one's really self-made. You know what I mean? But um, buzzword. But I've been around (laughs) self-made millionaires, um, clergymen, politicians, and I just had a chance to rub shoulders with those kind of people at a young age but my dad who was kind of in and out of my life rolling stone um he's a drug dealer who did voodoo so i literally spiritually economically all of that um grew up in a very volatile environment and a very hypercritical environment um i gave my life to the Lord when i was 13 but and because of an encounter that i had where he really saved me from from killing myself um but that's a, a longer story but um, we can, I was, get, we can I was, get into
0: the longer story, Chris, that's
1: fine. Bet, <laughs> bet, <laughs> um, So, yeah, man, I was just suffering through a lot of trauma. Like, grew up in a real volatile environment. Um. Man, like gunshots every night, thinking I'm going to die at like 16, just crazy stuff. So I grew up in this area called Uptown in Milwaukee, so Sherman Park Uptown. Most people probably heard of Sherman Park because of the fires that took place where there was um a gentleman who was uh killed by a police officer black guy um and the city just went up for like a better words um for Mm -hmm. a few days and i was down the street from that basically so um real real like hyper crazy environment a lot of brilliant people um just you know it is what it is You kind of come from those circumstances so for me having those You know, adolescent feelings as far as like, am I good enough? Like, not sure about yourself, not having a, a stable father figure. Um, and even not only the stable piece, but also someone that's healthy for you. You know, sometimes you can look at certain people who are successful and they received an inheritance. Everyone receives an inheritance of something. Um, so for some, it might be a trust. It might be real estate. But for me, I got poison from my inheritance so it Mm -hmm. really messed with my my psyche um I was warped and I grew up real quick at a young age so um I'm being tormented by some of this stuff and I just wanted to end it um so I had a butcher knife to my neck and I was about to kill myself no one was in the house I planned it all out and I heard this loud voice say don't do it and I just dropped the knife and I started sobbing and I'm like I gotta find out what that voice was because that voice felt like love and i've never Mm. felt that kind of love before in my life i had my grandma and my mom um and my aunt some relatives some cousins but that was different it changed my life um and then i just got to pursuing and looking at other religions because i was a little bit of a rebel um but then i found out like man it ain't ain't nobody touching jesus man like He's the only one. You can pray. You can burn sage. You can do all that stuff. But if you really want to like have change and like breakthrough, there's only one name that you got to call on. That's the name of Jesus. So that's what 100%. I did. I unfortunately was taken by some of the allure of what I was growing up around. Um, so, uh, I had some dudes who was in the streets. Um, I had some dudes who were squares as the streets would say. Um, and I was just, you know, hopping between those worlds. But I mean, the Bible says choose this day whom you're going to serve, which means like you can't straddle the fence. You can't play both sides. I unfortunately Mm -hmm. got pulled to the streets, um, when I was 18. So, um, selling drugs here and there. Um, I was homeless for a time, moved to California, was selling drugs. And I had another encounter where, uh, there was a, um, hmm. this will actually sum it all up there was a um an unmarked truck taking pictures of myself and another gentleman um in his drop top bins and he was picking up one of his stripper girlfriends i was just rolling with him um and we saw this truck and we just sank down in our seats and we we're like oh man because that's is never a good sign to have like an unmarked truck taking pictures of you and you don't know mm. about it um mm-hmm. so i'm just like oh my goodness i'm having a panic attack i'm high off weed and i'm just i'm just, duck basically. I'm in in, uh, the passenger seat and I'm close to the sidewalk. And if you've been to California, there's a lot of homeless people out there. So prayers up for anyone who's dealing with that. Uh, I know what that's like. It sucks. But you know, God, he he moves in those communities in a real way. And there was this woman who was walking past my car or at that car um, at that exact time when I was starting to have a panic attack had a cardboard cross on wheels. I don't, I don't know how she set it up. It was a cardboard cross that she was carrying on wheels and it said, Jesus saves. And I'm like, what? Mm. So I, I nudged my homie, who was the plug at the time. I'm like, hey, look. And he's like, look at what? I look over the woman's gone, bro. Like, gone, ghost. So I'm like, okay. Oh wow. I know that was probably a sign for me to stop what I'm doing. Um. And that was probably my last sign. So I just I had a heart to heart with God. I'm like, fam, I really just talking real casual. Like God, I um I don't want to be homeless. I like having money. I like this life, but you gotta change me in order for me to go with you. And I'm willing to, because I'd much rather be homeless than be without you. And literally the next week. I got invited to an artist residency, took me out of this environment where I was around weed and molly and cocaine and all of that, um, and God separated me, uh, literally set apart and set aside. So He separated me. I was able to get back in a groove and stop being Jonah and stop running from my calling basically. And um, in that time timeframe, uh, my mother, my grandmother, they were starting to show signs of aging. So I had to like go back to Milwaukee in the winter so i went from skateboarding and shorts doing bible studies and eh, kind of trying to get back to it um to being in the winter in the midwest and it just was a little bit of a culture shock and i'm like dang all right god i don't know what's gonna happen but you know whatever um so i'm a little depressed all of a sudden i get connected with the milwaukee art museum get put on the board guys still working on me refining me i'm still kind of rough around the edges and then there's this opportunity to exhibit in the milwaukee art museum in 2013. and that's what really took things off for me i did artist residency before i did consulting work before as a photographer before but it really all started at 18 like what do i want to do with my life i don't want to build up someone else's dream i want to build up something for myself but what is that how do i how do I navigate that space? So it was photography. So in the midst of all of this, I was working at Apple when I was 18. I was working at Apple. I was starting my photography business and I also was selling drugs at the same time. Just stupid stuff, you know what I mean? <laughs> and um, God made sure in spectacular fashion that all of my efforts blew up. So I eventually left Apple, um, stopped selling drugs for time in Milwaukee and I just focused on my company and I was starting to get a little traction, but it wasn't enough to like live off of. Um So I just went back to the trap for a second and I moved to California and he brought me right back just to give me everything that I was working for, but only he could give. So that's kind of mm. where I'm at, from time of trauma to choosing to accept God as he heals me of my trauma. That was in like
0: 2013. Dope, dope, man an amazing story um i can relate in similar fashion man i think i went through in my past company where i raised roughly three hundred thousand dollars, and for about four years i uh, was trying to pursue creating the next ncaa football game wow. um and, and across that journey um uh, you know being a non-technical founder the the big the hardest thing we had to do was was that i couldn't control the evolution of the technology i was trying to make because i wasn't technical and Ooh. so in doing so i had to bring on advisors and people that were supposed and lawyers that were supposed to help me um, raise funds and in doing so ultimately i found out that those people were taking advantage of me um and so we lost a lot of money uh, really all of that money and so now i'm in the process of still paying all of that back but the crazy thing is maybe six months ago maybe eight months ago now um i was going through a deep depression Cause like, you gotta understand, like for me, um, I've been on an entrepreneurial journey since I was a child. I've always wanted to be work for myself. Never wanted to build somebody else's dream in college. That's all I really did. You know, I was a freelance artist, really trying to learn the craft. Um, so, once I started that venture, I really didn't plan on looking back. Yes. And so when I hit that wall, it was like very depressing. I felt like I let, I let my wife down because because we we're going through so much financially Let my family down, all the people that believed in me, the investors lost their money, the pre-sale people lost their money. And just because, like I said, I didn't have the acumen at the time to get to know that I was getting taken advantage of. But the funny thing about the crazy thing about Jesus is uh, there was uh, I can't remember the exact date right now on top of my head, but I was in my bed sleeping with my wife in the midst of my depression. And I heard this loud voice clear as I've ever heard in my in my life say, get up. At first wow. I thought it was me talking to myself. So I was like, you know what? That's just me talking to myself. I'm gonna go back to sleep. Then I heard it again. So I woke up and he was like, go downstairs. And so I said, okay, went downstairs, went to the office and he said, open the dictionary, open the dictionary up. He said, look up the word infinite. Looked it up, read the, read the, um, the definition of the word um, and God basically told me that in your past business, you put all your faith and your trust in man. You didn't put your faith and your trust in me. So if you want to have an infinite life, which is what I can give you and your family, mm-hmm. you need to take your focus off man and put it in me. And so ever since that moment, and even to how the, the way my company's name is spelled is there's no I in the middle. That's intentional is because god told me take the eye out of the middle because you need a constant reminder that this is bigger than you it's about me all this is for my glory it's not about you and your last company you wanted the the stories to be written about you the great things you did the money you raised bringing on spitzer dan witty these top you know these professional athlete investors like what you're going to do is bigger than you and it's for my glory and so, ever since that day, like I said, I've had encounters with God before, but they've never been as audible as that experience was in my life. So, since that moment, things have changed. Trajectories changed, tractions changed, got into immerse, got connected with you. And the craziest thing, when I was younger, I've always been, I used to call my old company Immaculate Vision. Because I've always been able to see like visions of the future. It sounds crazy, but it's the truth. Like I can see like, like I can be daydreaming and and I have a moment where I see something that's going to happen. And I know it's going to happen because like it's happened to me so many times. And the craziest thing you're going to think this is crazy is I've seen this moment of me talking to you before. And when it shows me that it takes me back to where I was when I saw it. So, when I saw this was when I was in college, I know exactly where I was sitting. I was sitting in front of this dorm room called Trojan Village. I was waiting for my partner at the time to come pick me up. So, I know all this is from God, which shows me that it's divine. And I don't I don't want to go down this this faith thing because I don't want to run an audience, but I'm just I wanted to share this with you because when I heard your testimony on the no Co wealth podcast, I was like, man, I really want I've never told anybody what happened to me early last year and how like really my life has really changed. Cause really life was crazy last year before. And God had that experience with me, me and my wife were struggling. We were trying to figure it out cause we were trying to pay out this debt. So at the time we cause basically we took out a lot of loans to pay those lawyers and things But we were trying to basically piecemeal the journey, continue the journey. So we were trying to create runway. And ultimately once that failed, now who's left with the bill, <laughs> me and my wife. And so once that ends, At the end of all that, when you're not getting paid, which we weren't for a long period of time, now we're left with all that, all those bills. So now, in the middle of a pandemic, we have a a deficit of about two thousand dollars a month that we have to figure out. God humbles me right before he have this encounter. He's like, "Son, you need you need to go do DoorDash." So through DoorDash, I start to get crazy orders. I'm talking about like twenty dollar tips, a hundred dollar tips, like things of that nature. And like, it's like, it's crazy. Um, and ultimately it ends up like to where we don't have a deficit anymore, <laughs> which is, which is crazy. So, um, and now wow. we don't want have one at all. So, um, but yeah, I just said, I had to say, man, it's just crazy testimony of things that have happened and just that counter with God and, and how the trajectory of things has changed. And I just, I really, your story really resonated with me when I heard it for the first time,
1: man, um, Bible says, young men shall see visions. So I don't find it crazy at all. Um, that's wild. I call those checkpoints where mm-hmm. you'll see something and then you'll be in the moment that you saw years ago. It's letting you know that as you're leading, as you're following the leading of, of God, you're on the right path. So, um, man, that's heavy. Wow. I'm, I'm so glad. God is good, man. The audience might need to hear this. So it's, it's cool. But yeah.
0: you know,
1: cause at the end of the day, we can kind of pivot here a little bit. There are entrepreneurs that are out here, they're grinding team, no sleep, which is completely unhealthy. And as a trick of the enemy is caught out what it is. Um, yes. cause God gives his kids rest. That's what the Bible says. But nevertheless, um, <laughs> people are out here grinding, um, putting everything borderline selling and soul for, for what they're trying to get accomplish what they believe is success and Mm -hmm. some people attain that level and then what you have headlines like big sean was suicidal and one would say how are you suicidal like look at your girl look at your life look at the people you hang around look at this look at that but we weren't made for trinkets we were made for treasure and the only treasure that fits well into the heart of a human being is not the universe it's not it's not it's literally God. Do your research inside the bible outside the bible i'll tell you a little alley anyone who's interested antiquities of josephus look that up break that mark down and you will see that'll be one piece outside of the bible um but i, I really encourage any person who might be dealing with stress might be anxious um there's so many pieces like validation like i need this kingmaker to retweet me so that I'm able to have buy-in with my market and gain more audience share and all of that. Like we've been groomed psychologically as entrepreneurs to be chasing either the next check or the next person that could lead to the next check that'll lead to the next person. You know what I'm saying? It's a never ending cycle. Mm -hmm. Once you have a billion dollar valuation and what? You don't want a $2 billion valuation, <laughs> you know, like it's never ending. And I mean, it's one right. thing to have goals, but it's another thing for those goals to have you, you know what I mean? Right. So that's, yeah, man, that's very transparent. I'm glad that, um, you all are, are climbing up. I think this, this pandemic, um, for those who weren't necessarily fiscally straight, um, for people who are fiscally broken in, in many respects, there's an opportunity here. like. The country of America has never seen before because we have what three stimulus checks at this point. If you do yep. it right by that, plus the other things, if you had businesses before, you got PPP stuff, you got the EIDL stuff. There's there's money out here for yep. people if you were set up prior. One of those, if you stay ready, you ain't got to get ready type situations. Or even if you weren't, there's still grace because you probably qualify for stimulus. Then it's a matter of okay, how do I make this stimulus? stretch to this or can i invest it into this so man that's why you know the bible says and i'll end it with this the bible says he'll give wisdom to anyone who asks. you ain't gotta be a christian that's the crazy part god said that he'll give wisdom to anyone who asks so if you pray for wisdom how do i make this 14 hundred stretch how do i make this stretch he'll give it to you and let that answer be a seed like oh shoot maybe there is something to this jesus and spoiler alert
0: there is there is 100 percent, man me and my wife right now actually reading proverbs which is all about wisdom together so mm-hmm. one thousand percent man um <clears throat> i uh you know i also end that off by saying you know god's grace has been amazing through the pandemic and what he showed me, humbling me, you know, having that encounter to where, like I said, his grace is taking us completely out of that situation, testimony moment. To where Now we don't have a deficit at all, which is crazy in that short span of time. So like you said, just just turn to God and you'll you never know what could happen. So on the, on the next topic, I really want to talk about, you know, crypto and blockchain. And first, I want to kind of know, when did you get introduced to cryptocurrencies and blockchains and things of that nature?
1: Heavy. Um, thanks. That was 2016. There was this uh, Madison, Wisconsin based company called 23 Vivi. They've pivoted. Um, but they actually were the first people that I ever heard of, saw that were trying to do a digital asset marketplace for creative assets. NFTs. They were doing that in 2016. Um, wow. they had a write up in the Huffington post, like crazy stuff. So there's a track record and in the crypto space, there's this, uh, phrase don't trust verify. So everything that I'm saying, like you could be a research as an audience member, as a listener, as a subscriber to this amazing podcast, you can do your, your due diligence and you can see that. But, um, in 2016, that's when I was turned on. So it, um, I had some people who were interested in my art, but I really didn't have like crazy collectors. Um, I was still an underground artist. I was on the come up and I just was starting to come out the basement for lack of better words. Um, so I had some people here and there buying prints, but I wanted to do something different. So when I got, um, presented with this opportunity, um, I just, I dove head first into it. I love history. I'm a student that way. So I'm constantly reading. That's why I have like 10,000 tabs open right now because I'm always trying to learn something, (laughs) but, uh, that's when I discovered Bitcoin and the power of it, and I'm like, "This is gonna change the world." So, um, in 2017, that's when I really jumped off the porch. Before, like it hit 20,000, um, because I still, I'm, you know, trying to make uh, two pennies turn into a nickel. At this point, I ain't have the disposable income like a lot of is what statistics will show. Generally, white males have um so yes there's an opportunity like never before with bitcoin as a store of value as a hedge against deflation or inflation um but the key piece is do you have disposable income to just park into this asset more times than not for people who look like you and i that isn't the case um and if we do generally we're older um and we don't necessarily like the volatility of bitcoin not understanding that if you zoom out From the time that Bitcoin has been in existence to present day, it's profited, it's been, I think, 600,000% gains. So generally speaking, if you hold Bitcoin, you're in profit 99% of the time. That's certain things that they don't talk about on TV. Um, because there's a whole smear campaign against it, but that's a longer story. Um, but I think that around the time of twenty sixteen-2017, that's when I was self-educating, um, and just putting little pieces here and there. And then in December of twenty seventeen, when Bitcoin hit twenty thousand, I'm like, uh oh, this is serious. And then I saw the mass sell-off, people panic selling, people who mortgaged their house to invest in something that they didn't understand, which is a big no-no. You never mm-hmm. invest in something that you don't understand, you always do your due diligence first. But they thought it was a get rich quick thing. It was a lot of people who lost stuff and got hurt. So people are like, Oh, it's a scam. It's a bubble. It's this. It's that. And now some of those same people are, you know, eating their words because Bitcoin is knocking at 60,000 again presently. So yeah, man, uh, blockchain crypto has already changed the world. The world is just catching up.
0: 100%. Man. Mm -hmm. So why do you think there's a knowledge gap? You talk about due diligence second go how do you think there's a knowledge gap in the minority community when it comes to crypto and blockchain technology
1: Oof. um partly because this is part of why my company percept form is trying to be that bridge because we have four verticals uh finance mm-hmm. education art and real estate so we understand that you got to talk to our people a, a specific kind of way you know what i mean like and that's not to belittle any other, um, ethnic group or anything like that, but for, for black folks, because I've been black my whole life, so I, I kind of know us. <laughs> um, you gotta talk to us a specific kind of way. You gotta make it make sense for us. You can't talk over us. You can't belittle us. It gotta be like eye to eye. And I don't think there's been that eye to eye moment. There's been the moment of like, where greed might want to get in because Bitcoin is popping and Meek Mills talking about it and Meg Thee Stallion gave away a million in Bitcoin on Twitter and all these other different pieces. We're still operating with like a money, I need this check, I need this type of mentality. When really the, the play is, why are these institutional funds investing millions and billions into it? Why are billionaires helping other billionaires get involved in bitcoin why is there a smear campaign in the mainstream media it seems concerning this thing it's because it democratizes and it also empowers against inflation those are the two basic things so if we can break down these complex pieces of cryptocurrency and make them simple Mm -hmm. pardon my vernacular but the whole hood will be on crypto and that's a fact, like once the hood gets it um, or even the suburbs or fluent areas where African-Americans are, it could be in Maryland, it could be in North Carolina, it could be in Atlanta, which is kind of crypto um, aware. But once places like that get it, it's going to spread like wildfire. And then it's just a matter of what's the bridge? And my company wants to be that bridge from education and
0: onward. But hopefully that answers your question. 100%. So yeah. what what, um, what educational resources do your, does your company plan to roll out here in the near future? Sure.
1: So we have a token, a utility token that we've launched where we're going to use it to incentivize people. It's one thing to self-educate on YouTube. It's another thing to know that your time is precious and you should get something for that. So as you watch curriculums and video content that we'll have, Breaking down these complex things into bite-sized pieces or premium courses. Um, you will be incentivized to continue that by receiving an airdrop or basically a a free deposit of our token, which would be connected to exchanges. So as you're learning about cryptocurrency, you've already become an owner of cryptocurrency. People say that knowledge is power, but I don't agree with that. I agree with this aspect of knowledge with application is power. If I don't apply what I know, I'm still powerless. You know what I mean? I can know that voting might change certain things, but until I vote, doesn't matter what I know. So we want to have people applying their knowledge. So, um, in July, we want to launch an educational platform. Um, don't have a specific date, but we're, we're crunching, you know, we're, we're getting to the development. So sometime in July is our date of launching this platform where people will be able to log on and sign up for free, um, and they'll be able to self-educate with a myriad of topics. there will be premium courses where we'll go a little bit deeper um, and more exhaustive in explanations, and those courses can be uh, purchased um, through the tokens that people have acquired. So again, incentivizing the more I get, then I can transition these tokens to this, or they can be purchased through just USB. Um, So that's really the platform and our rollout. We're gonna have tons of curriculums and and video content that people can consume and just be educated on while becoming a cryptocurrency owner.
0: That's amazing, man. You know, ironically enough, I remember when I was leaving college, one of my first companies that I was trying to launch, that I was trying to raise funds for was an education-based application that wanted to incentivize students To be active in school to have attendance and also just to incentivize them to learn so it's crazy how you know things in today's society 21st century are now leading into that you know that new area of learning um kind of incentivize students to learn i think that's amazing so one of the other verticals that you talked about was real estate can you talk about how you know your partnership with solid block how's that going to benefit the community
1: man um so solid block is a um platform a company that's based in Israel um I met them when I was on my tour day please give me money um not my tour to France but talking to investors, <laughs> like hey invest in this idea um yeah. I met the co-founder um and co-CEO in Malta during the pitch competition and um we just we kind of connected in a way where it's like she was a judge for the the competition But it was almost like there's some sort of synergy regarding our businesses here. She reached out to me, I think like a year later, wanted to just kind of get updates and we formed a partnership where we're going to focus on impoverished areas or areas where there's affordable housing and we're going to tokenize. So for lack of better words, if it's possible for us to have an iPhone, we can break this down and fractional shares so let's say this iphone is two thousand dollars you could piece this apart and a person could have a piece of a piece of the iphone as a form of value if this was a money generating asset they would get dividends from this iphone we would do the same thing with real estate so if it's a block where we're airbnb and homes a person could get equity in that for a hundred dollars $10, however we would splice it up. And a person could literally be a renter, but still have equity in real estate, which could help them with wealth. They also, because we're we're tokenizing real estate, the fact that it's a token, it can be exchanged. So if someone wants to buy your token, that equity that you have, you could sell it and you can have immediate cash. It's, it's more liquid than us trying to sell a, a multi-unit. That might take some weeks or some months in certain instances. If we had equity in a multi-unit through having security tokens, we could liquidate within a day. So that's kind of the democratization that this technology can bring about. So, um, we're we're really interested wow. in those kind of areas. But we're able to do this with anyone. Um, if it's a hotel developer trying to raise funds in a different way, the deal makes sense if can present it to a global audience. And it can be funded just like that. So um, these are some of the things that we're doing with uh, with real estate.
0: No, well, I think that's really dope, uh, especially as the education grows in this blockchain and cryptocurrency area. You know, mm-hmm. I'm looking to personally get more into real estate, and the way you broke down the fractionalization piece, I think that makes it a lot more simple you talk about dividends and you know making money from real estate to you know some real estate lingo to be honest but i, I think that's a very interesting and cool concept it's amazing bro. this week's quote comes from none other than the goat himself mr lebron james the quote reads you can't be afraid to fail it's the only way to succeed you're not going to succeed all the time and i know that I Think this quote perfectly epitomizes what we talked about a few episodes ago, where our former guest Austin McGuffey touched on that failures are the building blocks of success. Let's keep this quote in mind as we continue to pursue purpose and leave a legacy. Can you first tell us about what NFTs are? I know NFTs is a hot topic right now. Mm-hmm. A lot of the, you know, uh, the top e-com and you know, well, really entrepreneurs are really hyping it up right now but you know, what's your, what, what is an NFT for those who might not know? And tell us a little bit more about the space and how your company is going to impact that as well.
1: You no doubt. um, so first and foremost, gotta break down NFT. So there's still kind of some lingo like cryptocurrency, crypto, mm-hmm. photography currency. So it's very secure money, blockchain, blockchain, uh, a block of data put together in a chain blockchain. So NFT yep. is an acronym. Um, non-fungible token so again this token aspect um but what's this non-fungible piece imagine a limited edition dave roof card like a baseball card Mm -hmm. or for potentially our generation imagine a pokemon card like a first edition charizard holographic something like that you're putting collectibles on the blockchain and you're allowing for them to be encoded so if you were to acquire an nft of a charizard first edition you would be the sole owner of that unless they do um kind of a a limited edition run where they're like 15 available but if it goes up in value and someone wants to acquire that then you would be able to sell your token um that represents the charizard um, in this example for a much higher price because of the supply and the demand piece. So it's just putting collectibles of very unique items that are extremely scarce on the blockchain. So we're seeing a lot with, um, art, with, uh, people who's actually from Wisconsin, which is super funny. He's from the same state that I'm in, that I am, mm-hmm. <clears throat> but, uh, he sold, um, an NFT for $69 million on, um, it took him 15, that. like 13 to 15 years to make, but still um what a
0: return on investment
1: (laughs) huge return on investment i calculated it i think it's like two thousand dollars a day or something like that for him to get to that figure but i mean still two thousand dollars a day just to have that big payday which he didn't even anticipate um (laughs) but what's interesting the collector of that piece who spent the 70 million he has an nft fund which is as wild but he said that he believes that that is the crown jewel of all NFTs and he believes that it's worth a billion dollars, which kind of lets me know, like you might have spent a billion dollars on this NFT. So in your mind, you got this for 70 million, let's call it was 70. You got this much cheaper than what you may have been willing to bid, which is right. interesting. So the NFT space is not going anywhere. There's a lot of hype around it it's going to have different outputs i'm uh, consulting with artists and have a course uh, simply nft um and i'm also speaking with galleries and museums as far as how to integrate this technology into their collections or you know, into their workflow so it's it's not going anywhere for sure
0: All right i think the most interesting part about nfts to me is like the ledger piece on the blockchain as far as the documentation mm-hmm. of um Who's owned this non fungible token before? Um, because the crazy thing is, I think we interact with ledgers more often than we think we do in our daily living. Um, like, you know, with Madden Ultimate Team or NBA 2K, and they're, Digital card system, right? They also have a ledger, so you can see who purchased this before you did. Or in social media, like for you example, when I looked up your social media, that's essentially me looking up the ledger of what's been done in your life before I encountered you. So I think that in itself is an example of how this is going to last longer than, or it's going to be around forever, honestly, because it's something that we already do in our daily life. So
1: that's a fact, um, and I think. You breaking it down that way with the ledger, that's super simple for a lot of people to, to grasp because you hear this word ledger and immutable blockchain and inflation and all these other different terms, like it might mm-hmm. be overwhelming for some who might not be aware and they may be embarrassed because they aren't aware. But you know, it's okay. Like we're still we're still learning. There's a lot of people who are at the top and they're still learning for real. Um right. so I think for all of us. To be able to to have platforms like these where you can just kind of talk it out break it down in a simple way that adds so much value um and again the ledger piece that's really the power of the blockchain it's like you can't mm-hmm. what do you say you can't finesse a finesser like you can't lie to a truth teller <laughs> because like the truth teller is going to know the blockchain yeah. of the truth teller like you can't hack it you can't manipulate it you can't do any of that so if someone acquires an nft the blockchain will confirm that they confirm how much was spent, they confirm all of these different things. And if someone lies and says, oh, well, I acquired it, it's like, no, you did not see right here where right this there. person, like you can't mm-hmm. you can't fake with it. And that's yep. really interesting if the blockchain had an application in, let's say, the deeds of homes or voting or mm. government, but it's publicly yep. accessible, like you can't lie anymore. It's mm-hmm. real interesting stuff. Yeah
0: which is what I think makes the government and different things like that so scared to get into this space because so many things have been smeared and moved around before now to get different outcomes the way they wanted it to be, that they'd never want to turn and use something like the blockchain because like you said, it's a truth teller.
1: For sure. And we're experiencing this hyper digitalization um, mm-hmm. where you know we're seeing that and this was kind of even uh, spoken on a little bit in an old book, where it said, "Um, in the last days, knowledge will increase. It's like, well, you got Neuralink, where they're trying to connect computers to the brain, and then the body is the server, and all these other different crazy things. They're trying to let humans be immortal, um, or live forever by uploading consciousness to computers, and all of this weird sci-fi stuff that we thought was just sci-fi, but it really was pre mm-hmm. programming to let us know, like, these are their plans. Um, mm-hmm. It's, it's wild. I I think that, especially with this new administration, how they want to uh, really go towards clean energy. I think that's dope. Um, I definitely want a model X. Um, I want solar energy and all of that for, for certain things that I'll be doing. Um, but that comes with some sort of management system. So my thing is, as you have solar, as you have this clean energy, what's going to be running that? And I would, I'm not a betting man, but I would bet that it's blockchain. Yep.
0: No. No, I agree. Um, for all the viewers and listeners listening to this conversation, if you feel that like this information is going over your head or it's making your head hurt, understand that I've been there. <laughs> so don't let it frustrate you, uh, make you want to click off or stop listening because you don't understand. I think at that, what I've learned is at that point is when you need to tap in more. You need to do your due diligence. You need to do your research because this is an industry. If you think you missed the Bitcoin bubble a few years ago, this is the we're early in this cryptocurrency space. We're very still early. Mm -hmm. So this is the time to tap in, to learn more and to figure it out because I've done it. And through the headaches and the frustration, we're here today and I can talk like I'm a little bit knowledgeable, but I'm not nearly as knowledgeable as our guest is today. (laughs) So. Yes, brother. So, uh, so let's talk about the last vertical of your business. Tell me a little bit more about Percept Pay.
1: Yeah. So, um, we wanted to create a social, uh, payment marketplace. So what that means is, is we have social media, we have a payment aspect and we have a marketplace. So if mm-hmm. we were to combine certain pieces that we all use, uh, Amazon is a marketplace. App is a payment system. Uh, Twitter is a social media. You want to combine all of that and just have it be crypto-focused. So there are a few different things with cryptocurrency, like yes, there's volatility, the market is the market. Um, so that's one of those things where you don't invest in anything that you don't understand and you don't invest what you're not willing to lose because no matter, it could be stocks, it could be real estate, it, all of it is, you know, nothing is for certain. Nothing is for mm. sure. Um, even this economic system, it's going to be really interesting once everyone starts getting the official new level of taxation and all of that. But Bitcoin, as the IRS um, is doing now and has popped up on 1040 documents, they're going to ask people, have you bought, sold, or traded virtual currencies or cryptocurrencies? So this is here this is to stay in one way or another. Um, Bitcoin is, is taxed. So if you bought and let's say you bought a month ago, Bitcoin went up, what, 13,000, give or take. Um, just this huge, if we were to look at the market, like just this huge vertical, basically this jump. If you bought and then you sold, then you would have to pay 30% of those profits to the government, which like, yikes, it's 30%, but you know, pay your taxes. Um, If you bought in 2017, when the market started crashing and you're like, well, I got to hold until I break even, hypothetically, and now you're in profit. You, if you were to sell that, you would be taxed at 15%. But here's the great equalizer of it. If you accept Bitcoin as a form of payment for your business, it's only taxed at an income level. This is not financial advice, still consult with a CPA or all of those different pieces, but we saw that as an opportunity where we want to empower people um, who might not have been able to have gotten PPP loans or approval from banks regarding business loans, um, but they still have a dream and they have product that is moving. They just need help. You can diversify your offering by saying, hey, we accept Bitcoin. Um, and I hear a lot of people say, oh, people aren't spending Bitcoin. and. That's not its purpose. But if we were to look at the founder, the creator of Bitcoin, um, who is this mysterious figure, could be a man, could be a woman, could be a think tank, um, of people. But the original documentation of Bitcoin was to be a peer to peer decentralized system. So decentralized meaning we have the Federal Reserve. That's a central hub for monetary policy. Decentralized meaning that there's no one point of single failure or a single point of failure if something were to go awry with the federal reserve the u.s dollar would plummet and it already is technically plummeting because of us printing so much money but that's another conversation um the fact is the fact that this is decentralized allows for people to know that it's the people who are keeping the network up so Mm -hmm. as we all have various jurisdictions you may be watching from Saudi Arabia, Pakistan, South Africa, Canada. We all are in different spaces, but we're all connected because of this internet. And now we have our money literally connected to the internet. This is the perfect internet money, as Jack Dorsey, the founder of Twitter said, co-founder of Twitter said. So for us, we believe that if you were to accept Bitcoin or have the option open for people to pay you in Bitcoin, that for one will mitigate tax exposure. And it would allow you, as an entrepreneur, um, as someone who may be interested in Bitcoin, but you might not have jumped the gun to, to purchase or invest, um, you now are able to sell goods for Bitcoin. But then the question that some people say, well, how am I able to pull profit if I need to? There are so many ways. And within our ecosystem, we plan on rolling out crypto ATMs. Uh, sometime this year, our plan and our goal is to have per set card which would be a bridge so if you accept the payment in bitcoin it can be transferred over to your debit card it's a physical thing and it also can connect with uh, apple pay or google pay um and you would be able to literally spend it just like cash if you wanted to so um there's literally just open doors for anyone who might want to accept it so we're launching per pay on june 10th or for june 19th and um we're just excited man for all the entrepreneurs all the creators to, to jump on and begin to accept bitcoin
0: man that's some amazing innovations that you're working on in this industry man i'm just i'm excited to know you man because in a couple of years it might be hard to get in touch with chris
1: <laughs> well i mean we plugged in you can just hit me on ig or slack so we're, there's nothing we're, we're plugged in regardless
0: 100 percent, man i'm proud of you though um so the next thing i want to discuss is the no code space you kind of talked about decentralization Mm -hmm. um so i want to kind of talk about the decentralization of technology with the no code space so what was your introduction to the no code space and what do you think the true power of that space is um goodness that's
1: probably the heaviest question um i'll work backwards the power of this space is literally i think what no code technology if we were to compare i think what bitcoin did to money no code will do to tech which is a very heavy blanket statement but mm-hmm. that's what's in my humble opinion i think what no code is going to do is it is going to democratize and accelerate the rate in which people are able to have outputs. So if I have an idea, I could take a bubble course or I could learn from you or someone could learn from me and they're going to be able to scale their dreams for free. Even using the free platform, they're going to be able to potentially accept payments and all of those other different things. And as their business grows, they can you know, go up in the bubble tiers Um, where they have different subscription models and and whatnot, and you have more features. That's crazy where generally speaking, you would have to, if you had an idea, you would have to spend anywhere from 15 to a hundred thousand dollars to get your mobile app going. Then you got to connect it to the app store. Then you have to do constant, you know, monthly things regarding servers and it may or may not be profitable. You would have to set up your uh, ad mob account to make sure you're getting ad revenue and all of those different things. But you can launch something like this with Bubble in a matter of days, realistically. But if you have a lot going on, something that might have taken a year, you could launch in some weeks, a few months. And I think that is beyond powerful. What I'm interested in is as cryptocurrency and blockchain tech. Um, it still is in its infancy s- space. It's grown up a little bit, but it's not where it could be and will it will be. Um, and as you rightly said, anyone who thinks that they missed the bubble, like you didn't. And if you didn't miss the party, you didn't miss the boat, you're very early. You're still mm-hmm. early. So I think if we can create better UI, UX and just like the back end be techie and all of that, the, the consumer or the user shouldn't have to deal with all of these things it shouldn't be super technical it should be simple plug and play that's where apple as a company really changed the landscape of businesses forever the same thing with tesla it just made stuff super simple and visually beautiful and the most important piece is functional um so i like in things kind of going back to art i like in a lamp or a computer it's functional art something is beautiful but it's something that can be utilized in a very productive way. I want to make sure that anything that my company launches is beautiful, it's functional, um, and is also scalable and secure. Um but the user shouldn't have to deal with complex nonsense that only a small silo of people really understand and they want to pat themselves on the back because it's super technical. Like that's cool. But for the sake of mass adoption, we got to cater to people. We got to serve people. And I believe that with no code, um, we're going to be able to do that at a higher, quicker level. So, shout out to Bubble, as you stated, you know, being immersed founders and residents. Um, mm-hmm. It's fast paced. I've learned a lot. You've learned a lot in a short amount of time. But this yeah. is something that I really don't see my company deviating from, which makes us unique because everyone. Is very stuck on like being in control of every aspect of everything and being super technical, hyper technical, and then hiring a UI, UX designer to make it look nice, but still use complex terms that most people might not understand. Yes. That's not what we want to do. We want to create something that's turnkey, plug and play, and within our business model, we'll do okay because it's all. You know baked into it but the biggest thing i believe no code is for is to scale and help masses of people get to their dreams quicker which you can't really put a price on that that's that's game changing that's like the invention of the microwave or something like that like that's that's wild
0: 100 percent, man i think no code has really changed the game from the sort of perspective that you just said, that it opens so much to the masses for all the non-technical founders out there or aspiring founders that wanna get something to market. Because I've been there and had that paralyzing pain of, oh my God, I have this amazing idea coming from a design background, I'm able to put it on paper, but how can I make this move? How can I animate it? How can I get it from being just a concept or a prototype to being an actual MVP? Something that somebody can fund, something that can actually be a revenue generating like it really truly empowers you like you said to be able to do something in a short period of time if you can give it that focus and learn in that short ramp-up period of whatever the technology is and i think you know and just really doing my due diligence on the spaces i've been in the MERS, the landscape similar to crypto is scaling so fast with so many other companies coming up whether it's in the web space or whether it's in the actual mobile development space with companies like bravo studios in the web space with companies like anima or even with bubble which is what we're using where we're going to shout them out of course but you know with that kind of stuff like you it's just crazy how you can take something that's on paper and get to market so much faster without the money, without diluting yourself. And it's kind of like we talked about on the last podcast with my guest Ben, when he talks about being able to control every vantage point of your business when you when you come in, because when you don't do that, you have to give up equity. Um, you have to give up control, possibly creative control. But when you can come in and learn, um, the non-technical skills Mm -hmm. um, that you have to to be able to code, not code, excuse me, when 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 you're able to learn the non-technical skills that you have to implement on these applications, you're able to go so much faster and not give up much to where you can control so much and mm-hmm. end with so much more equity than you would have in the beginning no code technology is going to be a game change It is, is a game changer for non-technical co-founders to be able to run fast like you said not give up equity not have to burn any unnecessary cash in the beginning because you just it's, it's the ultimate bootstrapping tool to put it simply
1: and i agree especially considering today is the 15th and there's been some changes to, uh, crowdfunding. So there's this, uh, regulations called Reg CF. And yep. now people are able to raise capital up to $5 million through mm-hmm. crowdfunding. You still got to have a proper business model. You still got to be incorporated. You still for, for people who want to do things compliantly and do things the right way, have a business plan, projections, all those other things, marketing materials, but you just need a little extra capital you don't have to give up voting rights you don't have to give up a obscene amount of equity um you're able to still have creative control over your company but it also depends on how you structure it um but it really is a democratizing agent so if you have pardon if you have a no code platform and you just want to scale quicker you could do a reg cf raise for anywhere from 1 million could be a hundred thousand however it would be structured up to five million dollars give a little bit of equity and if you want to raise later with vcs it would be one line item on your um your cap table so there's it's it's so wild right now so literally today you're able to do this um so i'm i'm excited man these are powerful times i know that uh I believe, is her last name. Um, off the top of my head, uh, I hope I'm not butchering your last name. If you ever see this, but I know that she leveraged um, Reg CF when it was at that million dollar threshold, and she raised a million through crowdfunding and all of that. So it's possible. This isn't some pie in the sky thing. That it's possible. If you have lawyers, talk to them about it, how to structure it, and just know, like, if you have a proper business model. It's, this is really good. It's really good for the little guys, quote unquote, but it's not, not even in and of itself is a smear campaign. It's like, we're not the little guys because the big guys just are backed by institutions and they're in front cameras, but we're all the Mm -hmm. same. We're all on the same level. So yeah, this one is is good for the, the underdogs. I'll say that.
0: Right. And for all the viewers that don't know what Reg CF means, Reg CF is regulation crowdfunding which is what he was referring to. Um, the other regulations are uh, Reg D, which mm-hmm. I think you can raise up to $30 million if I'm not mistaken. Um, I could be wrong. So everybody do your own due diligence. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not giving away financial information, but like you said, talk to your lawyers, do your due diligence on all that information. But those regulations are in place to give structure to raising money.
1: Mm-hmm. That's something
0: I also learned in my journey in my previous company doing it because we raised the crowdfunding first but also um, you know raising money trying to raise it through regulations and things of that nature so what's what's one thing that you had to overcome um entrepreneurially on your journey to get you to where you are today
1: woof um i had to overcome the frustration and the desire of me wanting help um, that statement of no one's coming to save you that's true or for people to say no one wants to help you that's partially true there are some people who do want to help you they just don't know that you exist so that's where visibility plays a part um being solid and being ready for certain opportunities that plays a part um but i had to learn everything on the fly i didn't have an answer, um, I learned from mistakes, I learned from pain, I learned from reading, I learned from studying successful people, um, I learned from God, uh, I learned from being around people who were the opposite of what I wanted. So it's like, okay, if I want to go here, I have to make sure I do everything different than this person. Um So just stuff like that, I just, man, it, it's so nice for people who are able to do kind of a Jeff Bezos um, where you can like tap on your parents and get capital for a business. Um, even if it's risky, if the fact that they have that, that's crazy. That's a, a wild blessing. And I think that a lot of people point the finger and talk down on people like that, but they're literally using what is at their disposal. So I don't think that's wrong. By any stretch of the imagination, I think it's chess. It's not checkers in the words of Denzel, it's it's chess. So if you're able to, if you have a world chess that you have access to, if your dad can give you a small loan of a million dollars, you're not going to take it. Of course you will, you know? So I think for us, there's a reason why systematically. That's a much longer conversation, um, systematically (laughs) why African Americans have been barred from wealth. Uh, creation access, even in, you know, my city, uh, unfortunately is the most racist city, um, segregated city rather, the most segregated city in the United States of America, my hometown, um, where you literally can see geographically, like redlining and certain things, like how that decimated communities and people. So there are reasons, systematic reasons why things might not be well. And then there's family reasons. Maybe people had wealth and then squandered it. Or maybe they have wealth and they're hoarding it and you just don't know. There's so many implications. And then on top of that, being black or being a minority where you have to code switch, you gotta, as they say, work twice as hard to get ahead just to the same job or whatever. All of those pieces play a part. But if we were to really break it down, um, it just comes back to what are you willing to do? And for me, I was always willing to learn. Always, I'm, I never want to be a master at something because that would mean that I've arrived. And that's kind of pompous. I, I think I could have a masterful output, but I'm always learning. Even if I'm a billionaire, excuse me, even when I'm a billionaire, I'm always learning. I'm always learning. So that's, that's the biggest lesson. Like I wish I had help. Um, but in certain respects, I'm glad that I didn't because no one can say that they owned me. And I'll I'll even preface this. I did have people in my life who um popped up and I was able to glean from from a uh a young age when I was, you know, still under the household of my mom and some of those relationships continue. Most of them wane, um, due to various reasons. But at this particular time, I'll say it like that. I do not have a mentor. I've learned a lot of this on my own, many of this I've learned on my own and I'm still learning. So yeah, man, that's, that's it.
0: Amazing, man. Um, I think just the ability to learn on your own and to be self-taught, a lot of times we look down on it. Some people do anyway because they think you have to learn from somebody else. But I think the ability to learn on yourself really helps create something else inside of you because it's so much more rewarding because it's something that you had to go seek out the information Mm -hmm. versus always having to turn to someone else to give you information. I think that turns off a signal in your brain of having to need someone else and you can kind of just push through certain situations on your own when you know like when we're kids we're constantly relying on our parents um, moving forward in your entrepreneurial journey or just in life you'll do the same you'll just push forward and not necessarily look for the help of somebody else to push you and that's amazing
1: facts bro facts and i would encourage everyone who's on that journey probably feeling like me like man i wish uh, I was like the Snapchat co-founder or CEO where his parents just were in the right environment and he went to the right school and all these other things just set up for him. And he's like, yeah, that's not our reality at this point. We have the ability to be a part of this new influx of wealth that's coming from this wealth transfer. We just have yep. to position ourselves. Where does wealth go? Wealth goes into vehicles. Those vehicles could be life insurance policies, It could go into real estate, into stocks, into crypto, into businesses. Just make sure that your business is one of those storehouses where wealth can go. How does wealth go to a, a business storehouse? You have to have products or services or like that one sign from our instructor in the background, build something that people want, you know, but also make sure that it aligns with your morals. I think people don't talk about this piece much, much where people are willing to do almost anything for a dollar nowadays um maybe i don't want to get too deep people are willing to do almost anything for a dollar nowadays but when it comes down to the topic of morality people say well oh i have to get it how i live and it's like well how are you living how is that living or is that existing is that mm-hmm. you know what i mean so i think for us being that we have equity the way that we do that we're building, we're working things out. We have a paramount responsibility as our companies scale and grow um to make sure that the company culture in the DNA of integrity, of honesty, of an open door policy in the sense of like, I don't know this. Don't look at me from the standpoint of a role or a title look at me as someone who's trying to co-collaborate with you to make this Mm. thing rocket ship if we change the trajectory like that especially with remote working and all of that we could have multinational companies where we go to work in you know our, our sweatpants and have like pullovers and we're doing profitable business because the company culture is oh well from this time to this time Alex is available, Um, but if he's not, his assistant will get us in his queue, um, he's spending time with his child and his wife, but once he's able to, he'll respond and he'll move quickly because he's not bound by contractual agreements and things like that. we really have freedom. And most VCs will tell you, if you don't have to raise VC, don't, which is strange. It's almost like a mafia person saying, like, don't ask me for a loan unless you are willing to... Adhere to certain things, and that's a really weird parallel. You see, my fear, but nevertheless, <laughs> um, not all VCs are bad. I'll, I'll just preface it by saying that, but just kind of for the sake of being extreme, um, if you don't have to, and really look at your business like, do you need VC money specifically? Could you do it with grants? Could you do it from revenue? That's really the best way because if you're making money, VCs will find you. If you're yep. making so much money, like they're gonna find you, and then you'll you'll have more leverage. Like, I want this valuation. We only invest in this valuation. I like this valuation, and we're profitable, and we're projected to do X, Y, and Z. Well, we can come up. Awesome, cool, leverage. You know.
0: Yeah, yeah. Biz- business is all a game of leverage, man. Um, so one of the things you just touched on really was just about you talked about, um. Some people in other ethnicities that have the ability to pass down things. I think in our trajectory of minorities at this point, like you said, talking about the wealth transfer, I think we have to inherit and understand the responsibility that we have with the accessibility that we have to the knowledge that's there now like this knowledge of this conversation that we're having right now, to me this is a wealth transfer because you're passing on knowledge about crypto, um, about different things that I may not have a lot of knowledge about prior to this conversation Into to the viewers and the listeners that are listening to this podcast. And so I think with that, we have to take some accountability of this knowledge of the times that we're living in because our grandparents, our great grandparents and people that grew up you know, before our time didn't have access to these things. So now there's a responsibility for us to be able to do with that knowledge, like you said, to put it in the right position so that we can position our families for that generational wealth. And so that we're, we're not in a position to where we're like we are in most cases now, where when a person amasses a certain level of wealth that they have to then pass that wealth up. Because in other ethnicities, the wealth is always passed down. It's never passed up. But in ours, a lot of times it has to be passed up and passed down. So, Mm -hmm. you know, that's something that we have to deal with. But moving forward, we have to do what we have to do to be able to amass wealth, but also fix that key point moving forward um, in our community.
1: That's so heavy. I never thought of it that way, passing it up and down. which And I've seen interviews where NFL players are – having to put boundaries regarding certain things, like I forget this gentleman's name, but he said as soon as he made it to the NFL, um, he had relatives, quitted their jobs and moved to the same city and Mm -hmm. all of that without necessarily consulting him because it's not he made it, it's we made it. We Um, made it,
0: that's the problem right there. We made it, yeah.
1: Yeah, and it's it's wild. if If that's kind of an expectation where that was understood going into this, then you know to each his own but if someone had support of a community and they made something of themselves and that same community just expects certain things without conversing or having a conversation with that person that puts a lot of unnecessary pressure on people and if a person has transitioned from you know tax brackets or from poverty to opulence if they got a good heart they're gonna go back they're gonna go back to the block they're gonna go back to the birds they're gonna put on for lack of better words um And they're going to tend the family, but I think for man, and this is wild. I think for us having the internet, having cryptocurrency, like a government can't necessarily seize crypto, the government for many reasons, would probably not at least in America shut down the internet. And even if they do, there are other ways to still be on the internet which makes one wonder um especially with minorities uh leaders often have a track record of being targeted or if they got skeletons in their closet or all of that mm-hmm. that stuff comes out um, <laughs> unfortunately in like the worst times too but it's all it's chess you know strategy and you have to understand that economics is war it's really war so would you give a people who produce quickly? are exceptional in various outputs be it sports arts business whatever government now is you know that's entering would you give them the same advantages that you have if economics award the answer is no so what would happen if that door opens and now these people are able to have that same level of playing and what happens to those leaders those leaders are targets what would happen If something were to go awry with the leader, but in the event of their untimely demise, something is released onto the blockchain that cannot be taken down. This is the time that we're living in. What would have happened if there were security cameras connected to the balcony where Dr. King was assassinated, where you could see everything that took place and the footage was able to be released at his funeral and it couldn't be taken down or at the time of his death, or if the assassination happened at his home and it was connected to the blockchain, these are things that can happen now. So if economics are war, we as creators, as entrepreneurs, also as minorities, we have to understand that. And we also have to make sure that we have succession plans so that as we acquire wealth, wealth can transfer upward to our elders, as well as down to generations that we may never see. And make sure that they have a blueprint. Like, okay, this is what you do. This is what you don't do. This is where I was a man and I was flawed and God had to work with me in these areas. This is where I was redeemed. This is where change happened. And now I'm passing you the baton. I'm not going to, you know, sit in this throne and die like a lot of other elders have done in our community. Like they're, they're just sitting in the throne. They can't even get up. It's like you could pass this on to someone who's younger, sharper. You could be an advisor. What do they say? Uh young for war, old for wisdom. So there's still a place, but some people they still want that power. For our generation, we understand that it's bigger than stunting on a gram. It's a platform we don't even own. Buying cars we don't even <laughs> own. And companies that don't even care about us. Like, come on, man. So yeah, wealth is awareness, knowledge. Money is like the lowest part of life. You can always get more
0: money. You can't get more time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent, man. In mm-hmm. um, awareness of your time, <laughs> we'll skip down a few of my questions so that we can get you out of here. Now you got to get back to your family. <laughs> so mm-hmm. the next thing I want to get into uh, is really like, what's your why? Like, what's, like what drives you? What gets you going? Like what's what's the, the energy in your back that gets you going when you're tired, when you don't want to do it, when you don't want to keep going? What's your
1: why? Um, past, present, future. I think of my ancestors, um, from the standpoint of being black and also being a Christian, um, I think of those who dreamed of having the ability to touch the world, um, mm-hmm. with the message of God, message of Jesus to be specific. Um, but I also think of my ancestors who were dreaming for a better life or praying that even if they never experience it, that the next generation never has to go through what they went through. Um, mm-hmm. and in many aspects, I'm, I'm learning how to be nice to myself. As one of my, uh, my big homies told me, like, you gotta be nice to yourself as entrepreneurs, as artists, creative people, we're very critical of ourselves. And We also compare as partly social media, partly TV programming, like all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but when we see ourselves at certain levels, Um, and we see what it could be, be hypercritical. It's like, man, I'm, I'm my ancestors wildest dream in a real way. And I I stand on this. If our ancestors knew how to use Google or if they understood Bitcoin, they would have been murdered. And that's a fact. Now, the fact that we have this knowledge at our disposal we could interact with the entire world we may never get a chance to peek into the vatican library that's locked off but we can hop on youtube we can hop on google we can hop on various platforms and we can find knowledge so that gets me excited presently Mm -hmm. i have a beautiful wife i have a beautiful daughter um we plan for more children um i have loved ones that i care about deeply have enemies that used to be friends, but if you became an enemy you never were a friend, all of that type of stuff. And it's just like I don't wish ill on those people either. I just I just hope for the best for everybody. You know what I mean? Um but the fact that God has given me certain people in my life that are dependent on me, that gives me the fire. But what gets me jumping is the future where I believe it's possible to leverage this technology for good, excuse me, while being profitable, while impacting the world. I believe it's possible. Um, so I don't think that there are any limits. It's just a matter of how do you get there? What's the plan? What are the steps? And that's the piece that gets me jumping. Um, so yeah, that's kind of my why. Hopefully that answers your question.
0: No, you did hundred percent, man. Um, where Where do you see your company in the next three to five years?
1: Um I see us tokenizing a city um, where we're actually able to tokenize land and do stuff as like a city. Um, I see us within woven into the infrastructure of institutions or high level artists that are leveraging our consulting services and things like that. Um, Mm -hmm. I see us, our one year goal for education is to impact a million people. So from the time of our launch in July to, you know, next year, July, we want to impact a million people with cryptocurrency education as well as centralized education. Like what's a stock? What's a bond? What is debt? What is money? What's the Federal Reserve? Stuff like that. Um, Mm -hmm. so a million people we want to, we want to touch and impact. And then um, with Persept Pay and all those other different things, just to kind of summarize, I anticipate it being a billion dollar company, uh, a unicorn, a profitable unicorn. Um, and then we'll just mull over like, do we want to go public? Do we want to stay private forever? Do we want to... Like we will kind of mulling over those details, um, mm-hmm. which in turn would create a lot of jobs for people. Um, People who look like us, uh, people who may be Hispanic, people from all ethnic backgrounds, to be honest, because I, I never want to um, ostracize people because me as a black man, I know what that feels like every single day when I'm walking past a person and because I got dreadlocks and I might not be smiling at that moment they clutch the purse a little tighter or I got to move differently because of unspoken cues. I know what that feels like so i would not want to do that to a person um but yeah we want to provide jobs we want to impact community Um so yeah we want to be a company that has integrity that still is a billion dollar company um that doesn't sway to cancel culture or the mob or however they may feel everyone is entitled to speak how they feel but we're not entitled to budge in our morals. if We're a company that's founded on Christian values. That's what it is, period. And for those who love it, cool. For those who don't care, but they like the products, cool. For those who can't get with it, cool. I wish you peace, love, and much success. But I think the world has not necessarily seen the output of being community-minded while being Christian, while being a profitable unicorn. So, I'm interested in <laughs> seeing that kind of manifest within uh, form or um, any other businesses that we would launch under that umbrella. But yeah, man, that's that's pretty much it.
0: Dope, dope, dope. Well, I agree with you a hundred percent. I think I'm, I'm excited about that as well. With my company being, you know, really faith based, um, it's not really front facing, mm-hmm. but I still feel like it's covered in the blood. You know, that's why um, mm-hmm. our logos are red. That's why a lot of things are, are strategically done. Um, but so that way, you know, you're covered whether you know it or whether you don't. So I just find that to be interesting. So like you said, I'm excited about that because I think, you know, with Jesus on our side, nothing everything's infinite let's just put it in that in those terms <laughs> and um i'm just excited about the futures uh, so i'm gonna try to invest early man i got ten dollars bro like let's try to work something out <laughs> but i'm definitely gonna get it early man especially if you do uh crowdfunding man i'm trying to get it in soon
1: one thousand um, percent man we welcome it and um hey i guess it is like chick-fil-a or in and out burger a lot of people don't know but in and out is christian if you look at the bottom of their cups, they got John 3, 16, the scriptures on it. If you look on the uh, fry bag or the burgers, like it's it got scriptures. People don't know oh, that. wow. So you know I yeah, had no yeah.
0: idea. My wife loves it and out, but I never knew that.
1: Yeah, <laughs> and out I
0: fire. Man, that's part of the reason why I wanted to move west. But
1: <laughs> neither here nor <laughs> there. <today. laughs>
0: they have them in Texas. That's where we had them when I lived in Texas for the time. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah. It's in um, headed towards Dallas area. They have them there as well. Dope. That's cool. So next thing I want to ask you, what advice would you give to one piece of advice that you would give to a young entrepreneur looking to get into your space specifically? Heavy question. Um,
1: self-educate as much as possible, connect, go to meetups, um, watch the market for yourself. It's one thing to be plugged into news. Networks and I got audio alerts. I'm on Telegram. I'm on uh, Discord. I'm on crypto Twitter. I'm on all of the platforms that one would need to be on to be privy to knowledge. But I also do my own research. That's the biggest thing. Do your own research because a lot of people are paying top dollar to be viewed a certain way. It could be exchange placement. It could be marketing campaigns to make it seem like, oh, this is an organic thing that's mooning or that's going up when really there's just a lot of people behind it that don't want to see it fail. Um, or it might be something obscure that has a really good team, really good vision, and they have a small band of supporters. Like this this space is there's never a dull day in cryptocurrency. So just buckle your seatbelts, wear your helmet. Elbow pads, it, it's going to get very interesting, slightly volatile, but always exciting, always forward thinking. And you have an amazing opportunity to build this next iteration of the internet. Imagine what it would be like to be a shareholder in Amazon the first year that they started or the fifth year that they started. Yep. That's where we're at right now. So you're not mm-hmm. late. Like, if you know how to code, you're. In a much better position than most. What my company wants to do is leverage no-code technology. I'll have to tap developers from time to time, but I'd be really interesting in I'd be really interested in um, leveraging no-code for the front end. So I would potentially need no-code developers as well, which I haven't seen in this space. So there's so much room because I haven't seen it done. Um, so we're kind of carving out that niche for ourselves. Um, mm-hmm. Which helps us scale, but it also can give press and all those other things. It's all strategic, but you're able to carve out your own lane still in this space. You might not be able to do that if you're in retail. You got Walmart, you got Amazon that is kind of trying to get in where Walmart is. Um, mm-hmm. so it may be diluted. There's still, even with almost 12,000 different cryptocurrencies, imagine that is 12,000 startups where some are doing better than others, um, you're still able to get in and build and be a part. So do your research, um, find your lane or build your lane. That's what I would say.
0: Dope, dope advice. Um, I hope that truly energizes (laughs) the entrepreneur that's watching this looking to get in this space. So, the next thing I want to get into is a speed round. Just going to do quick word association. So, when I say a word, just say whatever the first thing that comes to mind. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, first word faith, God, ownership, my company, <laughs> impact, community, time, Oof, priceless, no code, late, <laughs> <laughs> blockchain, life cryptocurrency life <laughs> <laughs> family my heart your last name
1: that's the the uh, mm-hmm. the thing i'm supposed to yep okay cuz i'm like that was different than the other ones um yep uh perception
0: Stoke. so at the end of every episode what i like to do um, it's a really kind of fast forward the journey. Um, I, like I said in the beginning, I feel like entrepreneurship is the most competitive game in the world. Mm-hmm. So I kind of like to foreshadow to, you know, your hall of fame inducting speech or uh, others talking about you in the hall of fame of entrepreneurship. Wow. What will those people say?
1: oof man. I don't know. Um, I know what I would want them to say. But no one really knows for sure. You can do everything right and people still talk about you. So I like, I don't know. And we saw that with Jesus. It's like the same week that were yelling Hosanna and then they crucified. I'm like, what? That just let me know people can get cool. And it's just, if you got your, your, people that, that love you, that'll always ride for you, that'll be with you, no matter what, like, you anchor there. So for everyone else, what would they say? I hope that they would say, um chris was or is um a man that is in the words of uh michael todd of uh transformation church not perfect but progressing. um mm-hmm. faced a lot of obstacles overcame a lot of personal trauma um a lot of business obstacles and things of that nature but was able to create something that changed the world in a kind of like cliche way but in a real way um changed the world for the better impacted lives empowered families armed people with knowledge and was able to be an example of what is possible not what is perfect because i'm never gonna be perfect but -hmm. what is possible so yeah especially for people um who come from the hood like you don't have to do what music is telling you because there's a reason why music is very like negative. There's a reason why certain people like you're not gonna just to kind of take a, a little left of time, you're not going to do a shootout listening to classical music. You're not gonna do a drive-by listening to opera. You're gonna do it listening to a specific kind of music. Why is that? Why do you have to constantly listen to music talking about doing drugs? But other genres don't necessarily talk about that as much. Mm-hmm. Who's at the top of the food chain who are writing the checks to these artists that are programming people to be violent and promiscuous? Like it's a whole thing. It's a whole scheme. So what I want to do is I want to show what is possible. Like you don't have to assimilate what to the system wants you to do. You don't. There are two systems. They just don't talk about the, the other one, which is the most powerful one. You can assimilate to that. You can follow with that sanctions and just know you'll you'll take off like an eagle, you'll fly and they can catch you. So
0: Dope. Yeah. Dope, man. Hey man, well, I appreciate your time, man. I feel like I was taking taking too much of it, but I appreciate it Thank nonetheless. You. Um I appreciate your story. I think it's very, you know, inspiring. A man anchored in his faith, knowledgeable about his industry, and really I think taking things and innovations in your area to the heights. <laughs> that we haven't seen before. So mm-hmm. tell the viewers where they can find you, um, uh, where they can follow you and support you.
1: Man, well firstly I appreciate the time, opportunity. Um whew, uh I'm on Twitter, I'm on Instagram, same uh username, it's at uh CMP GFB. Um mm-hmm. so GF like CMP is in my initials, GFB is in God Family Business. So cmpgfb. Twitter, Instagram. Um You can tap in with uh, form by going to PresetForum.tech and you can also sign up for beta, depending on when you're doing this, sign up for beta uh, at uh, PresetPay.com. Uh, it's going to be launching on June 19th and then in July, the following month, um, we're going to be launching this educational platform. So uh, just to stay tuned, we got a lot of things in the works, a lot of pending things and um, also check out theblackwallstreet.com that's hill harper uh, award-winning um author actor assist platform where it's building out certain things and i'm just happy to be able to um be a part of that so yeah uh, that's what i will say to the people i'm approachable so hit me on twitter hit me on instagram and let's have a convo
0: dope dope well chris thanks again for coming on the show For everybody that listened today, thanks for taking the time to listen to this episode. And we look forward to bringing more game-changing entrepreneurs on the show. And see you all next week. Peace.